This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This is the World Cafe. I'm Raina Duras, joined by John Morrison. John Morrison is a podcast host and the host of Culture Cipher Radio on WXPN in Philadelphia, where we make World Cafe. And usually every month he joins me for the Culture Corner and he connects the dots for us across different genres of music. But this month he's here every week talking about dance music through the decades for Black History Month. Started with the 70s, then last week we did the 80s, and now we're into the 90s. John, how's it going? I'm good, Raina. Very excited. <laughs> me, me too. I am loving these. It puts me in the best mood ever. So we're in the 90s. Uh, what made the 90s such a significant decade for dance music? And why was it different from the 70s and the 80s? Honestly, I think that uh, if there was an, an overarching theme uh, for dance music in the 90s, it would be variety, right? Uh, in the US and the UK in particular, electronic dance music uh, was in this like uh, constant state of mutation. There were new subgenres and micro genres popping off. Like if you think about it, just in that 10 year span, we saw the emergence of Baltimore Club. Drum and bass, UK Garage. Tech house, trip hop, which isn't a real genre, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's a whole other story. So many styles of music uh, emerged in just that short 10-year window in the 90s. And, you know, of course, a, a global club culture and rave culture emerged alongside it. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, one of those kinds of music that you mentioned. Last week, you explained how the disco sound of the East Coast influenced Midwestern cities like Detroit and Chicago. In the 90s, a new form of music emerged uh, back on the East Coast, so what can you tell us about Baltimore Club? Baltimore Club is is interesting. It's a form of dance music uh, that was developed in the city in the early 90s. And it's different from Chicago House and, and techno in Detroit because Baltimore Club music is primarily sample-based. Whereas most dance music up to that point uh, in the 80s relied on, you know, programmed drum machine beats as its uh, rhythmic foundation, you know, synthesizers, that whole thing. Baltimore's approach was more closely related to hip hop in the sense that pretty much all of their songs were based on samples from drum breaks taken from old records. So it was a different approach to uh, the creation of uh, club music. And this is so interesting. The majority of Baltimore club songs are based on samples from just two records. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Collins, uh, Think About It. 
Uh, there's a drum break uh, in the middle of that song that uh, pretty much any Baltimore club record that you hear uh, has a sample of Lynn Collins' Think About It in it. And there's a sample from a disco tune by a band called Gaz. Uh, their song, Sing Sing. So producers in Baltimore took those two beats, sped them up, chopped them up. They layered them on top of one another. And they really created a new wholly sample-based approach to making dance music. Brown, the brand new brother in town. Yeah, boy, don't sound. Smooth, a brother that's so damn cool. Never get played for a fool. Now it's my turn to rule. Doodle in a fag. Don't sweat it. If your body wants to do it, just let it. Here we go, here we go. Let's take it to the bridge. And once you think you've had enough. Yo, yo, doodle. Hold up. And that sound, you know, naturally... Uh, reverberated outside of Baltimore and it spread to Philadelphia and and Philadelphia created its own uh, native club music style based on Baltimore club it was a little faster, a little uh, more distorted and and like aggressive and Jersey you know, uh, developed its own style which is very popular now like Jersey club This is the World Cafe. I'm Raina Duras, joined by World Cafe correspondent John Morrison for the Culture Corner. Week three of our journey through the decades of dance music for Black History Month. This week, we're in the 90s. A lot of the music we've talked about in this series have come out of underground scenes around the country, but the 90s also saw some dance records that became big hits. What can you tell us about the relationship between underground and and mainstream dance music in the 90s? Yeah, the dynamic between underground music and and the mainstream in dance music and, and club culture uh, has always kind of been interrelated and uh, like mutually influential, right? I think that the 90s in a lot of ways embodied that. Uh, the decade started with Madonna uh, releasing the song Vogue. song that was a tribute to a dance style that was pioneered by black queer artists in uh, the ballroom scene in New York. So then by the end of the decade, you had uh, these big uh, electronica acts, you know, groups like the Chemical Brothers, 
folks like Moby, Fatboy Slim, making these massive uh, dance albums that were charting, like like Billboard pop hit, you know, electronic records. So while a lot of these genres were pioneered in the underground, their influence always seemed to like bubble up to the mainstream and bigger artists always seem to be picking uh, from the underground to, to influence what they were doing and making a lot of money off of. The next song we've got on deck here is Robin S. Show Me Love. What do you want to say about this one? Classic, classic <laughs> song. This Show Me Love might be the best song ever. Like you play it at a party, you know, tomorrow and people will go crazy just like they did uh, back when it came out. You know, the vocal on this tune is uh, spectacular. The arrangement has that classic Korg M1 organ sound that you hear on a lot of house records from the time that a lot of producers still use now to kind of reference uh, 90s club music. And, and it's probably the best example of the sound of the underground bubbling up to the mainstream because it's, if, if it didn't blow up, it would be like a cult classic. You know, if, if Show Me Love wasn't a hit in its time, people would be asking, why wasn't this a hit in its time? So it sounds like an underground club record, but it's just, it was massive when it came out. It just happened to catch on and it's still big and, and loved today. So mainstream that even I remember this song living in a little suburb outside of Toronto. It is Robin S. Show Me Love on World Cafe. Robin S, show me love. You are listening to the World Cafe. That song's from 1993. World Cafe correspondent John Morrison taking you out dancing in the 90s this week on Culture Corner. Every week, getting into different decades of dance music for Black History Month. I'm Raina Duras. During the 90s, uh, there was a lot of innovative dance music being made outside of America. What can you tell us about the UK drum and bass scene? Drum and bass, uh, or some folks call it jungle is a genre of music that in a lot of ways is a, a direct result of an ongoing multinational, multi-place cultural dialogue. You know, drum and bass is essentially what you get when you combine Jamaican reggae and sound system culture with American hip hop and British electronic music and, and rave culture. You know, much like with, with Baltimore Club, drum and bass is primarily sample-based and is in its origins was really based on a handful of drum breaks from uh, some 70s funk records. Like pretty much 99.999% of drum and bass records are based on a breakbeat like uh, Apache by the incredible Bongo Band or the Winston's record, Amen Brother. 
drum breaks like that that hip-hop producers had used British DJs the British uh, drum and bass DJs played those records on 45 and, and sped them up and made this faster double time music is really one of the most radical breaks from dance music tradition that that we've seen uh in the last you know 50 60 years but it but it's still rooted in all of this history that came before it so tell us about this goldie track we're about to hear goldie inner city life uh might be uh, the greatest song to come out of the the drum and bass movement in the 90s. Goldie's production is epic, has these big sweeping strings, it's orchestral. The late, great uh, Diane Charlemagne, her uh, vocal on this tune is beautiful. Uh, And it's such an uplifting song, and it it really shows the emotional and, and spiritual power of dance music. Let's check it out. Inner City Life featuring Diane Charlemagne. It's the Culture Corner on World Cafe with John Morrison. I'm Raina Duris. So, John, you've taken us through the dance music of the 70s, the 80s last week, and this week, the 90s. Why was dance music in the 90s so important? How did that music influence what we're hearing today? Yeah, uh, I think that in a lot of ways, the 90s really brought dance music back to the forefront of uh, mainstream popular culture. It ain't really stray that far away. Uh, But, you know, say what you will about mainstream pop culture or whatever, the record industry, visibility is important uh, when it comes to the health and, and survival of any style of music. And I think that, you know, as we've talked about with all of these uh, sounds coming out of these underground scenes, you know, eventually finding their way into uh, the mainstream zeitgeist. So it it helped to uh, not only get a lot of really talented people paid, but it, it put this music in front of a lot of young people who may not have seen it, you know, maybe didn't grow up in big cities where they had clubs that they could go to or DJs that they could see. So this music uh, penetrated a lot of young people found it and you know a lot of people were influenced from it and a lot of uh dope music that we hear today is is based on this you hear the music uh that you know gen z kids make they pull influence from drum and bass you know uk garage the big uh mainstream house records that were hitting in like the early 90s Like a waterfall. That's my I don't mind all your thoughts. You're keeping me up each and every night. 
that stuff is relevant now and it and it shapes uh, a lot of what we hear now and and as we'll talk next week about uh dance music in like the post-millennial era you'll see that a lot of the 90s is still influencing what we're hearing today can't wait to hear where we go next week as we uh, as we head into the new millennium thank you so much john yeah thank you reina John Morrison is a podcast host and the host of Culture Cipher Radio on WXPN in Philadelphia, where we make World Cafe. He joins me every month for the Culture Corner, and this month he joins me each week to talk about the history of dance music for Black History Month. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.